Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 18, 1 through 8. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke 18 in your Bible. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Well, we've been, uh, we've been on a journey with the Gospel of Luke for the last couple of weeks. And um, Jesus' movement, as always, is towards Jerusalem, where he will eventually be crucified, where he will die, where he'll be buried or buried. I don't know how to say that. My wife makes fun of me, whichever way is not right. I think I say buried, and it's actually buried. Anyway, Jesus is dead and buried, and but he raises again on the third day, right? So that's the, where this uh, where this narrative is moving. It's where it's been moving since day one, since Jesus, uh, since we hear about Jesus' birth. Um, he's uh, we along the way we've witnessed a couple of things. We've witnessed some pretty spectacular miracles. Jesus has healed some people. He's raised some people from the dead. He's told a lot of stories, and he's gotten himself in trouble a lot, actually. Uh, one of the people he's had a bunch of conversations with are the Pharisees. And, uh, well, the Pharisees are kind of part of Jewish's, the Jewish people's religious uh, leadership. And uh, it, it occurred to me this week that Jesus has the most trouble... Uh, not with uh, the tax collectors and sinners, right? Not with the, the bad people, but Jesus has the most trouble with the church folks. Uh, I think when we, when we read these stories, we've got to keep that in the back of our mind because Jesus is always talking to us, but he's always talking to us as the church too. Uh, don't be like the Pharisees. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Well, we said that, that Luke is telling this story in what we call an apocalyptic perspective, and that word just means to reveal. Uh, apocalypse means to reveal. We've made it all about like, doom and gloom and like really bad made movies on Amazon or Netflix, right? Those are my favorite kinds of movies, by the way. The worse it is, the better. Um, Anyway, so Jesus is setting about to reveal what the kingdom of God is going to look like. The world is one way. It is broken and uh, it's all about honor and I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. It's all about what I can get out of things. And Jesus is revealing that the world work, or the kingdom of God that's coming, that's begun with him, actually, is about love and hospitality and sacrifice for the sake of the other. Jesus will exemplify that most fully in the cross. 
Well, the, the, the Pharisees, they should, they should, well, they should like the fact that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God because this is what they've been hoping for from the beginning. Uh, but the reality is, as they've, uh, as they've encountered Jesus, that he's not bringing the kingdom of God in the way that they would have him bring it. Uh, you see, the, the way things are, the Pharisees have set themselves up so that they are benefiting from all of the kind of sin and brokenness in the world. Uh, and and whenever, whenever we find that we, are, we benefit from the status quo, from the way things are, we're always going to be resistant to the work and words of Jesus Christ in our life. Because it always challenges us, always moves us away from caring for ourselves only, but for caring for the people who are around us in the world. Uh, well, the Pharisees are not... Um, they're not excited at all. And there, there's a concept that we kind of have to understand for today. Uh, and and we, we, two, two words, actually three. It's the already, but not yet. Uh, there's a big fancy theological term for this, but I won't, I won't lay it on you. If you want to know it later, I'll tell you. Um, but the, the idea is that the kingdom of God has already come in Jesus Christ. Like the world is changing because of Jesus' birth. But it's not yet fully here. Okay, so it's already here, but it's not yet here fully. So it's here in a little tiny bit, but it's not yet. It's the, the tiny mustard seed we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? That's, it's the kingdom of God, but it's not yet fully grown into the giant tree that it will be. Uh, so it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you have a stomach bug and you are sick. And you get sick in the middle of the night, Right? Anybody ever get sick? Just It always seems like in the middle of the night, my kids, they love to throw up at about 3 o'clock in the morning, right? No other time, 3 o'clock in the morning, all over their brothers. You know, that's just how it works. Right, Nate? Yeah. Uh, he hasn't done that in a while, so it's okay. We'll, we'll love him. Um, but you, you know how you, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're sick, you're throwing up, and you, just, you feel in your bones, in your body, that you are not right. You are not well. Right? But yet you have this understanding that the current state of things, as they are, is not how it's going to remain. Right? That you know, you hope and long for the morning because you know in the morning, even if you're not better completely yet, things seem to get better in the morning. Right? You might get a little bit better uh, because the world is with you. They're awake and they can tend to your pukiness. Right? You feel it in your bones that the world is not yet right. But you know, deep down inside, you have this hope that the world will be, that it could be, that it, that it should be better than it is now. This is the already, but not yet. We, we experience, and hopefully this will, this will come out as we get to the end, we experience the world like we're sick. Uh, but we know deep down in our bones that it's not the way it should be. And we hope for Christ coming back, the morning, if you will, to make all things right again. Okay, so um, a little bit before this today's passage, uh, the disciples, they're talking about all of this, about what Jesus is going to do, bringing the kingdom of God. And they want to know when this is going to happen. And so today's, uh, today's passage is actually a response to uh, the question of when. And he, Jesus responds by using, by telling a parable. Uh, we've encountered a couple of these 
uh, in the last couple of weeks. And, and probably sometime we'll, we'll do a whole bunch of parables back to back because they're really fascinating. A parable, though, is a story. Uh, it's kind of a comparison story. It compares, uh, it takes things from everyday life. In this, in this instance, uh, everyday Jewish first century world. Uh, it, it takes what's known in the world and compares it to something that is not known. So Jesus is, is taking the scene that we, we read and he's comparing it to the kingdom of God, trying to, to help us understand what it is that he's, he's saying. It's one of his favorite ways of talking. Now, the, the original hearers of this parable would have understood the context and the culture uh, of the people in this, in this story. They would have just understood it. This is not the case for us. Let me just issue a word of warning when you read the Bible. The world of the Bible, uh, Old Testament and New Testament, takes place in, in a time and a place that is vastly different from our own. And so we have to kind of do a little digging to understand exactly what some of those things mean before we just say, well, this parable, I, I know what it means, uh, because it's kind of plain there. It's just, you know, it's in English. Well, it's not in English originally. It's in Greek. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, we have to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So we, we have, we have uh, two characters in this particular parable. There is the widow, right? And actually, he, he, he says, uh, he tells this story, Luke tells us, so that his disciples may not lose heart. Remember that from the very beginning of the passage tells the story that they may not lose heart. And actually, that's kind of a weak translation of what that phrase actually means. Uh, you've lost heart before. You've just kind of gotten down. Nothing's going my way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jesus, the real meaning here is, is kind of more drastic and dramatic. Not losing heart is not losing faith. Not losing hope. Not when faced with the brokenness and the sin in the world, thinking that this whole Jesus thing is just a whole load of poo-poo, right? This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. There's going to be a time soon where it will look like nothing has changed. Don't lose hope. Keep the faith. And so we, we, uh, he tells a story, and there's, um, there's two characters. There's a, a judge and a widow. And uh, now immediately my first, my first uh, thought image of a widow is of a kindly gray-haired lady, um, right, who's, who's lost. It's, it's either the Golden Girls or it's Faye. I don't, no. probably Faye, no. Uh, it's just, that's what I thought. I thought it would be funny. Um, obviously it wasn't. Um, I derail myself sometimes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I did. I did. Well, the reality is, is that, that um, a widow in Jesus' day was not necessarily old. Okay, a couple of reasons for this. One, uh, life expectancy in Jewish first century uh, world was not nearly as long as ours. If you made it to your 40s or 50s, you were old, okay? So take heart, some of you who are older than me. Um, the second thing is, is that if, if, you, if you were a woman, you most likely got married off really young. 
12 or 13, maybe, 13, 14, to a man who was probably in his 20s. That's just kind of how it worked. Men had more things to kind of learn before they got married, and women, well, they were just property, and we just, like, sorry, ladies, but we could get something for you by marrying you off. Um, anyway, so that, that's how it was. Like, this widow, there was a good chance that she was not very old. Uh, and like I said, the women are kind of property at this point. And, uh, and, and so a widow, though, a widow is kind of the representation of the most vulnerable people in society at this particular point. And uh, so she's, she's kind of an archetype for vulnerability, for being at risk uh, of being taken advantage of. And, and in fact, Jesus tells us somebody has taken advantage of this woman. We don't know how. Uh, I suspect it's financially. They have maybe taken some of her land uh, that she might have had. And, and if she didn't have a brother or a father that was still living, um, she was alone in the world. She had no one to advocate for her. And so she, you know, she needed to figure out how to, how to do this. And so something's gone wrong, wrong with her, and uh, she goes to a judge. Now, another point of difference between our world and Jesus' world at this point. Uh, the judicial system that we have today is, for all of its faults, is pretty amazing. Somebody wrongs you, does something, steals something, harms you in some kind of way, you report it to the authorities, and the authorities will investigate it and try to set it right, right? And you don't even have to pay for it, other than your taxes, right? Which we all do. It just kind of happens. It, it goes along. Now, I realize it's not everybody's experience, but that's kind of how our system is supposed to work. That system would have been unimaginable in Jesus' day. Uh, the reality was is that if you had uh, if someone did something to you, stole from something like you, you had to go and try to, to, to go to a judge and have them make it right. Uh, and without if this widow, without a, a man to advocate for her, this would have been exceedingly difficult. So we have this vulnerable woman. She is the, the most vulnerable. Someone has taken advantage of her, and she needs justice. And no one's there to help her get it. Well, we meet this judge, and uh, and uh, Jesus tells us that he neither fears God nor man. Uh, and now, likely this judge was not someone who like went to law school, but he, he was he was probably a, a wealthier member of the community. He was uh, important in society, and the elders could have had appointed him to adjudicate differences between people. And so Jesus says, yeah, he's, he's uh, well, we'll get to this part. He's like, uh, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and respect for anyone, right? Jesus tells us that about him, and then later he says that about himself. Anytime there's re- repeated material in the Bible, like, that's really, really important. Uh, now, you might think that because he, he doesn't fear people, that he's impartial and that he's able to see things for, they, for what they really are, um, but that is not what Jesus means here. Uh, there were a couple of things that Jewish men had to do, or were supposed to do. They were supposed to uh, learn how to read and write so they could read the Torah, uh, their, their scriptures. And they were supposed to defend the cause of the widow and the orphan and the stranger and all of those. They were supposed to live with righteousness, which is right relatedness between uh, each other and with God. 
righteousness and justice. Well, uh, this man has none of that. He cares only for himself. He is no fear of God. Now, fear in here is not like terror, right? It's not, um, it's not the haunted house that somebody went to, right? Or that I almost got dragged to. Uh, it is obedience and respect and faithfulness to so this man, he has no regard for God, the creator and maker of the universe. None. And his lack of respect for God has led to him to have no respect for his fellow people. No respect. He doesn't care one bit. Well, the widow comes to this man, uh, this judge, and she presents his case. And because he doesn't care, he rejects her. Now, I imagine in my mind that... Uh, Perhaps the judge is a friend of whoever wronged this lady. Or this, this, uh, the, the person who wronged this lady came to the judge and said, hey, here's some money, find in my favor. Don't give justice, just you know, here's some money, here's a bribe. I imagine that's kind of what's going on. And so, uh, but this lady, this widow, she does not give up. She goes back day after day after day after day, demanding that this judge grant her justice. Well, finally, as we said, for a while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she, not, she may not wear me out by continually coming. You all know ladies in your life like that, right? Just persistent. My mother's one of those. Um, It's a good thing, right? Here's a better translation for that she may not wear me out. And if you have a Bible, uh, there may be a little footnote in this passage that says either um, that she may not slap me in the face or give me a black eye. Honest truth, that's what the Greek means. This woman, this vulnerable, marginalized, at-risk woman, is so hopeful that justice will be served that she is willing to assault a judge. And I think that Jesus holds this up as a good thing, right? I'm not usually an advocate for violence here, but... And so he grants her justice. It's, it's a kind of an amazing thing. Well, um, I think... technology will work. Uh, I think a lot of times in parables, we try to make one-to-one correspondence. We try to make them be uh, allegories or kind of straight analogies that we always often try to assign characters in a parable to someone. Uh, and, And a lot of times we apply kind of, okay, well, this guy represents God in the and I think the logical conclusion here at, at some times would be to say, uh, especially with what Jesus says here in a little bit, that the judge is God. And, and really, nothing could be farther from the, from the case. Uh, this story, and the, the judge in the story, is meant to contrast with God. Uh, the judge is not like God at all. Uh, the, ju- the judge is meant to show us who God is in, in God's truth and his character. Uh, Jesus says this at the end of the parable. And will, he, well, he says, 
listen to the words of the, the judge uh, a little bit before this. If the judge is willing to get justice after this widow is so persistent, uh, he says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Jesus is making a very specific claim here. Don't lose heart. Don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. Because I am God, and and my character is not like the judge. My character is love and faithfulness. My character is justice and righteousness. If the judge is willing to grant justice out of fear, how much more will God grant justice out of love and out of faithfulness for his people? Now, I think a lot of times uh, people will take this passage and they will make it be about... um, they'll make it be about the persistence of prayer. And I think it is kind of that, right? Uh, That's why we pray every day, or maybe we should. But we pray every week uh, here in the service. But I don't think God needs us to wear him out like this widow wore out that judge. I think this parable presupposes that you and I, we as a church have been praying thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven I think it presupposes that we have been praying this Lord's prayer that all along that we have hope and that we have faith that the the way the world is in its brokenness in its sin in its sickness in its death that we have hope that, that the way it is is not going to be the way that it remains all of eternity. That we have hope that one day Christ will come again and that he will make all things right again. He will bind up the brokenhearted and, and cause the lame to walk again and he will give hope to the hopeless and he will comfort the mourning and, and all of us will be whole in the ways that we have longed for since the days we first realized we were. presupposes that we be praying, thy kingdom come. God, your kingdom may come here on earth as it is in heaven. See, I think it's like, I think Jesus realizes. He realizes it's, what it's like for us is that it's the middle of the night and we are sick. We are in pain. We hurt. Deep in our bones, we know that the way things are is not right. And yet, and yet, we have hope that the world could be better. That the world will be better. We have hope that the light of day will come and all things through the power of Christ will be made whole and right. Like for us, for me as a preacher, sometimes it's hard to get up here and proclaim this good news about Jesus Christ. 
and then to sit beside uh, someone who has fought cancer for seven years and while they're while they're dying, right? And have them ask, "Where is God in all of this?" And it's so very easy to say, oh, "I don't, I don't know," and to give up hope, to give up the faith. And to say, I'm out, I'm done. This isn't, I don't know what's happening, but this isn't good. This isn't the way it is. How much more will God grant us justice? How much more will God grant us healing and wholeness? Because God's character is love and hope and justice. How much more than this evil judge? Don't lose heart. Don't give up the faith. Have hope. In the same, well, the same way. That Christ came and that he's coming again to set the world right. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.